Hello and welcome to the MB Om podcast, where you will learn to master the business of yoga with guests from around the world who have experienced becoming successful yoga teachers, studio owners, and much more. Now, here's your host, Amanda Kingsmith. Hello and welcome to another episode of the MB Om podcast. This episode of the podcast is brought to you by Yoga Boss Babe. Yoga Boss Babe is made for female yoga entrepreneurs. It's a lifestyle subscription box for passionate and motivated yoga instructors who want to build and grow their yoga businesses. Although the physical box is only for U.S. residents, the digital version is open worldwide. You can head over to www.yogabossbabe.com to get your box. Enter promo code MBOM. M-B-O-M at checkout for $5 off your very first box. I'm also very excited to share that I am a guest instructor for Yoga Boss Babe in this month's box. So it's not too late to sign up for your Yoga Boss Babe membership and have access to all of the online materials. They only cost $49 per course and you can learn things like how to start your yoga business, how to create a website, and so much more. Head on over to yogabossbabe.com, sign up for your box, get $5 off with promo M-B-O-M. All right, on to today's episode of the podcast. I am so, so excited to have Shannon Crow from the Connected Yoga Teacher podcast and online community with us today. Shannon and I connected a number of months ago over our mutual desire to help yoga teachers improve their businesses, make more money, and feel like they're more connected with the community. And I really love the direction that Shannon has taken her podcast and her website and her online community in. She has a quickly growing online community called the Connected Yoga, Yoga Teacher Community, which I'll put a link for in the episode description as well as in the show notes. And when we chatted on the podcast, she had about 300 members and now the group is up to about 900 members. So it's a really active community. Everyone's super supportive. I would highly recommend getting involved with that. So Shannon and I talk a lot about how to build an effective online community as well as her passion for pelvic health and so, so much more. So without further ado, here's Shannon. I'm very excited to be joined on the podcast today by Shannon Crow. Shannon is a yoga teacher, a yoga business owner, and a yoga podcast host as well. So Shannon and I have connected off the podcast for a number of months now. We've kind of been following each other back and forth. So it's really amazing to finally be connecting, to be talking on the podcast today about her business, what she does, and her community that she's fostered online and in person. Shannon, welcome to the show. Thank you so much for being here today. Thanks for having me, Amanda. I'm thrilled to be here. I love your podcast and I'm a huge fan. Thank you so much. I really appreciate that. And so a good place to start, I think, is to to back up a little bit. I know you've been teaching for a number of years. If you could just tell me briefly how you first came to yoga and how you first started teaching yoga, that would be awesome. Sure. Um, well, my very first yoga class was kind of started out as a girls night out. We signed up for a session. There were a bunch of us. We had little kids at that time. So I was in my earlier 20s and maybe mid 20s and just wanted a night out. And so we started going and then my friends, you know, they were like, let's sign up for this class. And I thought, you know what, I still really like that yoga I'm going to stick with doing that. So that's kind of where my yoga began. Um, and then after my daughter was born, so she is 12 now, then I decided to take my yoga teacher training. So did yoga classes for quite a few years and then uh, decided to become a yoga teacher. Wow, that's amazing. And what kind of inspired that decision to go from just being a tra practitioner to a teacher? So I think a big part of that was my mom, for sure. My mom was really into yoga as well. And we would talk about yoga a lot. I was going to my classes. She was going to hers. There wasn't a lot of yoga in our area. There were a couple of teachers, but even one of them had moved away. So my mom was saying, you know, you should go through for a yoga teacher. <laughs> and then I, a friend of mine said that she was going to take a yoga teacher training in Toronto. Would I like to drive with her? So I said, sure thing. Um, 
And it was actually turned out to be a local yoga teacher that I didn't know about. So I studied Kundalini yoga first with Satdharm Kar in Toronto, and it was over a year-long period. So I'd say my mom was a big motivator. Also, I just loved how I felt every time I did a yoga class. Yeah, I, I love that. I can relate to that a lot. I think that that's it's, it's true for so many of us who teach yoga is that you just have this, I feel like it's this really powerful experience when you're there and you're like, I need to share this with other people. Like everybody needs to be experiencing this. Hmm. Yeah. And now what's really cool about it is that my mom then took her yoga teacher training. <laughs> so. Oh, that's amazing. Does she actively teach now? She teaches in King Carden, Ontario. Yeah. Oh, that's so cool. So you guys can kind of share that experience together. Mm-hmm. Oh, that's amazing. I should get my mom to do her yoga teacher training. She doesn't really even go to yoga classes. So I feel like that's probably the first step, but uh, <laughs> maybe <laughs> shoot for the stars. <laughs> <laughs> and so you started teaching that you said that was 12 years ago that you took your teacher training. Yeah, it was 11 plus years ago. Yeah. Wow. That's amazing. And can you talk a little bit about the changes you've seen in the yoga industry over the last 11 and a half years? Well, for sure, for myself, like my yoga teaching has evolved. I could speak to that. Um, yeah, definitely. That's cool. Because I took a Kundalini yoga teacher training, it was really like my teacher, Satdharamkar, had studied with Yogi Bhajan. So I feel like it was very much um, kind of his take on yoga coming right from India. And we studied a lot of philosophy in that. And I remember finishing that feeling pretty strong in like mantra philosophy, yoga philosophy, um, and just the Kundalini tradition, but not feeling as strong on say hands on assists weren't part of it at all, or even just the alignment of postures wasn't the focus. So for myself, I started doing a lot of different trainings and in that, so I, I don't know if it's with the time, but in that I started to then take more trainings on therapeutic yoga and changing the traditional way that people were doing yoga and changing it in a way that would really suit individuals. Okay. Yeah. And do you think that just evolved kind of naturally as you taught longer and with what you'd studied? Yeah, I would say also with the times, you know, the, I forget how many years ago it was that that yoga book came out about injuries and, and that sort of stuff was coming out. And I think that's important for us to be looking at as yoga teachers, as well as myself, I, you know, a 200 hour only has so much stuff in it, you can only fit so much time, so much information, sorry, in that time that it, it's really essential to keep branching off. And the possibilities of learning beyond that are endless, I think, as a yoga teacher, as you know. <laughs> oh my gosh, I couldn't agree more. I feel like, <laughs> like it, it's like you know, but you don't know when you go in, like doing a 200 hour, I was like, oh my gosh, I've barely scratched the surface. Like there's so much to learn, which is amazing to be in a field where you feel like the well is just endless and you could continue learning forever. That's really, really amazing. But then it's also this thing where you're like, do I ever really know enough to continue sharing? And it's, you know, you got to keep learning for sure. That is it. The more I learn, then the more I realize I don't know. And, and that's a bit of a scary spot. I think I had no idea when I took my first 200 hour yoga teacher training, like you just kind of think, okay, I'll take that. Then I'll be a yoga teacher and I will know all the things that a yoga teacher <laughs> needs to know. And that's so far from the truth. And it can be scary. And then I think really liberating. Like I, for a while, I really f honed in and focused on prenatal yoga, postnatal yoga, um, fertility yoga, all of that. And that's what led me to where I am now, where I mostly work one-on-one uh, -on -one with people uh, all for yoga for pelvic health. That's my niche now. Yeah. And did that just kind of happen really organically for you as you were, you know, teaching classes, finding private clients and seeing, you know, what interested you and what your clients needed as well? Mm -hmm. It definitely was a big interest of mine. Um, I'll still have friends that will, you know, message me or call me like I'm having this pain in my pelvis and they, they just know that they've seen me post <laughs> many things about pelvic health. Um, so it definitely is a passion of mine. And then I saw there was a huge need as well. 
um, just a general uh, knowledge about it. Yeah. Interesting. And do you find, so I don't know too much about, um, like I have a very basic understanding of pelvic health. Do you find that it's mostly like people, like women who have had children or older people who have issues with their pelvis or does it happen in like, do all of us benefit from, you know, the health of yoga for pelvic health? Yeah, Yeah. exactly. Everyone benefits for yoga for pelvic health. So it's basically core four unit, the inner unit, but we generally associate it with women who have had children and people, women who are aging because there are more issues that show up for those women. It's men as well. Men also have, you know, pelvic floor, the diaphragm, the transverse abdominis and the multifidus. Those are the core four, but it's it is amazing how many poses when we change them. Like for one example, if we change the way we move with the breath, so just take bridge pose for an example. So we're going to come into just a little bridge. And if we move on the exhale, lifting up, that's more pelvic health yoga. And then inhale and lower. Then we're using that core for at the same time that we're moving. And that's the total opposite of what I learned in my yoga teacher training time. A lot of the time we'll inhale and lift and bridge. Mm-hmm. So that's one. Yeah, it's just one little tiny piece. And it's not wrong to inhale and lift. But if you're looking for a certain, once you kind of understand how that core unit works, it's pretty fascinating to me too, because really we're this core unit with a brain and then limbs right? Totally. <laughs> <laughs> so it's everything like below the shoulders all the way down to the pelvis is your core unit. That's where it's a huge part of the body, but it gets missed because people don't, aren't talking about it as much. Yeah. It's always interesting to me. This is kind of not directly on that, but it's kind of same, same. It's like we're, we're in this like physical body yet. I feel like we do so much being like disconnected from it. Like you know, you hear something like that, like, okay, you know, your the health of your pelvis will be better if this is how you, you lift, you know, lift up into a little bridge pose. And it's like, why is it not intuitive to do that? Like our body doesn't communicate that to our brain and our brain doesn't communicate that to our body unless we're trying to do it. Yeah. We get into real patterns, <laughs> yeah. our patterns of movement. And also because we've just recently We've become people who sit in front of computers and sit a lot for driving or work. That's a pretty new thing as well. Yeah, yeah, definitely. And so did you do some specific training to learn more about yoga for pelvic health? Or how did you get into that niche? I mostly did training with uh, pelvic floor physiotherapists. I also took a hypopressive course with Trista Zinn. um, And it's just been through the years. And now... You know, I I have booked a call with a, a pelvic floor physiotherapist who teaches in a university. So then I'll pick her brain for an hour. Like, okay, I'm working with this person, this person, and 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 I also work at a physiotherapy office. I can just go to the physiotherapist and say, okay, I'm working with this person. What do they need? I can refer them to them. You know, get that feedback from them. It, it's been a it's been an amazing process, and I. I now te- I don't think that there are many yoga for pelvic health trainings. I now teach an online course for yoga teachers because it's not really out there. Like I just took years of information and packed it into a course. <laughs> yeah, yeah, definitely. I mean, it's something that I, I haven't been teaching for too too many years, but you know, I have worked in the industry for a couple of years now, and I mean, you're the first person that I've really seen that's talking more in depth about it. Like I feel like trainings cover mm-hmm. it. They talk about the importance of the pelvis and aligning the pelvis, but not so much in depth into how it can really be super, super important in each of our poses. Yeah, there are some you'll, you'll see once you start, well, I'm super passionate about public health, but once you get, you know, reading one article, then you'll read another. And also on the flip side of that, there's some information that isn't so helpful for women. And that's where like one of the biggest messages that I always want to share around that is that it's not normal for any woman to be leaking urine. So it doesn't matter if they've had a baby in their past or six weeks or 
they're aging, it's still not normal. If they're heavy duty uh, athletes, there's a message going around that it's normal to be leaking urine, but it isn't. So I'm very passionate about letting women know, you know what, like high, high percentage, 80 to 90% of this is treatable if you just go see your pelvic floor physiotherapist. Oh, wow. That's so interesting. I didn't, I didn't know any of that. Mm-hmm. Good so to that's know, the thing. People aren't. Um, and so I, that's why I love doing big group classes for that too. And I just bring a different topic in every week and then we do poses that help along with that. Yeah. It's, it's, uh, yeah. Yeah. That's amazing. And so that's kind of like your personal teaching side. And then, I mean, you're a mother, you have two or three children, three children, three children. My old, yeah. My oldest will be 19 soon. The middle is 14 and then my baby is 12. Wow. <laughs> and then you host a podcast and run an online community, which we're going to get into shortly. Um, but my big overarching question to you is how do you manage all of that? I think I, well, a few things. So I did some work with a a coach, Barb Elias, who really helped me to see like, Shannon, you can't do it all. So I've actually knocked some things off that list. I used to do Thai yoga massage. Um, I used to work in different teacher training. So I just kind of kept chopping things off and really focusing in on what I wanted to offer. So that's how I, I was, you know, in my own community, I said yoga for pelvic health. And then with the podcast, I thought, what do I really want to hone in on? Because I used to help yoga teachers with their website and then consultation calls, different things. And I just thought, I just want to help yoga teachers kind of along the way. So after a yoga teacher training, I feel like yoga teachers are really um, kind of alone Mm -hmm. on their own. So that was part of it. So back to your question, sorry, I'm getting off track. But the other thing that really helps me is to realize that I can only get done, I can only get one, maybe two, at the very most three things done in a day. So that might sound like, oh my gosh, well, you do all those things. How do you (laughs) fit it in? I'm starting to realize that I have to do that number one thing first thing in the morning. Yeah. And I really have to stay on track with it. I have to view it as a business. Like I go to work and then I close my day. It, I think that was missing from my yoga business for many years. I, I had another job and then my yoga was kind of my side job for a long time. So yeah, that's such an important lesson, especially, you know, working for yourself or working from home is it's really easy to, I mean, the beauty of that is that you get to schedule your day kind of how you want to, but honing in on when you work best and how you work best and making sure that you do have that like off switch. Because I feel like when you work in an office or you work somewhere that closes, it's like, okay, five o'clock, you know, I leave, I leave this here. But when your laptop's just, or your computer's just sitting there looking at you, it's like, "Mm, I should probably do that thing that I didn't do. (laughs) Yeah. And I still struggle with it right? Like I'll sometimes get up in the morning and I think I'm going to do a yoga video. I'm like, I'll just check my email first. And that's really hard. So, um, it's something I still work on, but I, you know, I try and fit self-care in very first. Sometimes that's hard to do as a mom, as a woman, I don't know, just as me, this is being on the planet and then work day and then end of work day, which is also a struggle for me. It's interesting. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. I can imagine. I I don't have children, so I can only kind of like put myself in that situation, but I feel like it's probably easy to let your personal self-care kind of become the last priority because it's like, you've got these humans that you need to support. And then you've got this business that you're really passionate about. And then it's like, oh, well, you know, taking a bubble bath probably isn't so important right now when I need to like feed my kids and send these emails and et cetera, et cetera, even though it is important. Yeah. Yeah. It, it, And I think for me, it's just going to be a lifelong thing. The work that I did with Barb was really helpful for me for developing boundaries around my time. So I might say to myself, okay, I've got 30 minutes to check my email. (laughs) Yeah, which is so, so hard to do. It's mm-hmm. uh, it's hard to put those limits on email times. Uh, when I first started, when I switched, like I guess when I quit working corporate and then I quit working for Lululemon, I uh, hired 
a coach as well. And I found that having somebody to help me set up a routine and a schedule and hold me accountable to tasks was so helpful because I was, I mean, I was public schooled and then I went to university and then I started working for somebody else. And so I never really had that control over my schedule. And I found that when I got into that world, I didn't really know how to operate in it. Mm-hmm. Exactly. And I think that's like Barbara Elias is a yoga teacher, like my coach, and she also uh, has taken a very extensive coaching course. And she used to work in the corporate world. And she focuses mainly on entrepreneurs right now. So she gets it. And it's exactly that having someone that you're accountable to makes all the difference. Yeah, yeah, definitely. I couldn't agree more. And so when did you decide to launch the Connected Yoga Teacher, which is your um, your podcast and your online community? That started, well, I had started thinking about that last year much sooner than it actually launched. It was very scary for me to put that out there. I was doing work with yoga teachers already, one-on-one work uh, over the phone with websites and things and just hearing like the same struggles. And I just thought, okay, I need to create something where teachers can hear about these topics and they don't have to call me every time um, and hire me as a consultant when it's, you know, just the basic thing. So uh, I put together a plan so that I would launch a live show first, and that was to, to get ready for the podcast. So we're almost 20 episodes in. Episode 20 will go out. So 20 weeks the podcast has been launched for, and this is the beginning of July. So yeah, not, it doesn't feel like that long and it feels like 20 episodes. Oh my gosh, that's so many now. I know that you have more than that. <laughs> uh, I totally get where you're coming from though. It's, um, I mean, it's, a, it's really rewarding work, but it is a lot of work. I think that it's really easy as a podcast consumer to be like, wow, this is so fun. I can, you know, go on a drive or go on a walk and just listen to these people talk. And it's, I mean, I love, I love conversations like this and the fact that I can quote unquote call this work, it hardly feels like work to me, but it is, you know, finding guests and having those conversations and then all the production. It, it is work. Yeah. Yeah. There's a lot that goes into it. I had no idea when I signed up for it. And it, for me, it was also really scary. Like, I'm going to put myself out there and I'm, you know, I do some solo episodes. I've heard you do solo episodes as well. Yeah. And those can be very scary ones to put out. Totally. Yeah. I couldn't agree with you more. I mean, I launched my podcast when I was, before I'd even been teaching for a year. So I know for me, I suffered a lot of imposter syndrome. That was probably my biggest thing. Um, and if it wasn't for my, my boyfriend and my my business coach, I I don't even know if I would have got MBO out because I was just like, who am I to put this podcast out? Who am I to talk about the business of yoga when I've been a yoga teacher for, you know, less than a year. And I just kept coming back to like, this needs to go out there. People need to hear this. Yes, I know. When I stumbled across your podcast, I was like, oh, yes. And it, it's funny because I had two reactions to your podcast. So I was like, had my podcast in mind, like yoga teachers more need more information. I remember finding yours being super excited and all of a sudden very deflated for a bit, like oh, it already exists. And I was like, no, that's silly. It's just like, you have a yoga class. And if we lived in the same town, my yoga class would be different. So I think that's also important for yoga teachers out there. You know, what you said about the imposter syndrome, like who am I? And also other people are in the same business, but that's okay. I think those are two huge things in the yoga world right now. Oh yeah, definitely. I think that that's, it's such a common thing. It's It's easy to be like, oh, well, somebody else is already kind of doing what, you know, I wanted to do. So maybe I shouldn't just do it. And it's like, of course you should do it. If like your voice is always going to be different than somebody else's. Mm-hmm. Oh, for sure. And yeah. Can you talk a little bit about some of the other, I guess, like challenges or fear around launching your podcast? Because I think that I was, I was talking to a friend about another aspect of MBOM that's not live right now. That's kind of an idea for the future. And she was like, wow, like, I'm just so impressed that you just go for it. And I was like, is that what it appears like? Because I've got all sorts of background struggles. <laughs> and I feel like it's important for people to hear about that stuff. Yeah, I think, well, the biggest challenge for me in 
you know, I had all of these ideas. I had a journal. I kept writing all these things down. And it wasn't until I let some, well, actually, I went on another podcast. I went on the Biz Chicks podcast. And part of that was she, she was my business coach and it was going to be live, played for thousands of listeners. Um, and she made me set a launch date for my podcast on that. So I, that was huge accountability. But if we can, you know, you're, you're already talking to people about that program. And if you can let them know, okay, this is my idea for the program and here's my launch date. <laughs> That's the second, you know, and then people are waiting. Then you've promised it. You've got to then do the middle work, the hard stuff. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, definitely. That's a, that's a really good, good reminder. I know for me, I'm very like, I'm going to keep everything super secret because then nobody can be like, where is it? You said you were going to do it. Um, but I think that that's a really easy way to kind of almost like let your fear come over you or to kind of get out of the things that you know you should be doing. So it's really admirable mm -hmm. that you, you said that on a podcast because that's, it's out there then. Yep. You could do the same thing because you have your podcast. You could be like, okay, I have this idea. And you know what? When you say, well, then the date would be out there and people would be watching. That's the other thing. I think that when we're creating anything, if we're creating, say, even a yoga session or we're creating a podcast or creating a different course, we think that everyone can see what we're doing. But actually, people are really focused on their own lives. So if you're if you said that a launch date and then an email went out later and it was a different launch date, it's only going to be your really like dedicated um, fan group that's going to notice, hey, something went on here. She changed the date of that. Yeah, yeah, definitely. That's such a great point. I think that it's easy to get caught up in, you know, everyone's looking at what I'm doing or and that sort of thing. But it's like everybody else is worried about what they're doing and they're not paying so much attention to what you're doing. Not that they're not checking in or not interested, but it's just everyone is very, we're all busy and we're all, you know, wrapped up in our own stuff. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And that, I mean, that's fascinating to me. Sometimes I think, oh, you know, I go to talk to a yoga teacher and I tell them about a course that I'm doing. And I think, how did you not know about that? Like I've been posting it on social media for the last four weeks, but that's, that's an important thing to know as a yoga teacher. Our students are the same way. You know, we might be posting, oh, we're doing this class, we're doing this class, and we need to kind of keep reminding them people are busy. Mm -hmm. Yeah, definitely. I have that. I mean, I just got home from my time in Asia about a month ago, and I saw, you know, a bunch of extended family, a, a bridal shower, and all this different stuff. And it's this consistent question about people are like, what do you do again? And I was like, we're friends on Facebook. Like I am all over Facebook. I was like, do you, do you just like my stuff without reading it? How do you not know what I do? Yeah. <laughs> and then it's the, the, this reminder of like, well, I guess I don't really know what you do because I kind of like see you in the background, but I'm always like, I'm busy. So I'm not consistently thinking about it. Yeah. Yeah. That's, I love it when people ask me, what does your brother do? And I'm like, he does something with computers because I, <laughs> And I've asked him and I've asked him specifically like, oh, someone asked, so tell me again. And I think I'm going to remember that, but I, I can't. <laughs> I was actually <laughs> listening to an episode of uh, Yoga Girls podcast yesterday and she was interviewing yes. one of her best friends and they were talking about, I mean, Rachel is really good friends with both the partners, like her best friend and her best friend's partner. And she's like, what does he do again? <laughs> <laughs> the like wife of this guy is like, uh, he's like a researcher around cancer or something. And I was like, oh man, <laughs> it's like the Chandler Bing. <laughs> yeah. So uh, when we think that other people should know what's going on in our lives, chances are, no, they don't. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. So I feel like that's nice to know that you're not underneath this microscope, you know, that you can put something out there and really the worst thing that happens if you put something out there and absolutely no one signs up and you don't get, you just have crickets. Oh, well, you've put it out there and it didn't work On to the next thing. Yeah, that's such a good point. I think it's easy to kind of get caught up in like the ego of that, like, oh, I must suck then, or maybe I suck at marketing, or just this negative self-talk. Like, if nobody's interested, then I must, there must be something wrong with me. But I feel like there's actually so many lessons that you can learn from that. Like, did I market it well enough? Did 
the people, did my target market see it? Do they know it's happening? Is it just something that's not of interest right now? And it's not really, it doesn't mean you're bad or that you suck or anything like that. It's just so many lessons can be learned from that. Yes. And that's huge with planning a yoga class. Like you could put all of this work and time into planning a yoga class, you know, but maybe you didn't put posters out or maybe you didn't advertise online. And then, you know, people can only know when you advertise. And it's, I think that's hard for yoga teachers as well. They have a hard time marketing their things. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I know definitely. you could build a lot of this. Sorry that I'm flipping over into consultant role <laughs> where I like you could build a huge momentum on your podcast, you know, if you have a big project coming up and then, yeah, and you have a big audience as well to start asking them questions like, what about this? Yeah, yeah, definitely. Um, <laughs> I love how your natural tendency is to go in towards that. <laughs> That's awesome. <laughs> it's a sign that you're good at what you do. <laughs> But yeah, I think that that's such a good lesson that, you know, not just for me, but for anyone listening, you know, think about those questions, like what, you know, who's following, who's listening, who's taking in what you're doing, what can you do with it? What type of projects do you want to be doing? Like, what could you share with people, get their opinions on? Um, Because the people who are paying attention are going to be, you know, ultimately the people who buy what you put out there. Exactly. And so... Along with your podcast, you also have this amazing online community that you've created. Uh, can you share a little bit about what that Facebook group is all about, kind of what your intention behind it was, and then, you know, kind of how you went about creating that? Sure. So I knew that I wanted to have a, a private Facebook group for yoga teachers. And that includes anyone who's either taken a yoga teacher training or is currently in one. That's kind of the the one rule to get into the Facebook group. And the reasoning behind that was because of this feeling that I had coming out of a 200 hour yoga teacher training. I just felt like, okay, now I'm off in my town, um, teaching classes with some, um, sense that there's competition around me either from myself or from things that were said from other yoga teachers and really subtle, nothing huge, just the sense of like, oh, you're a yoga teacher? Well, I'm a yoga teacher. And it wasn't until we actually created a, a community at our studio in Owen Sound. And the one thing that we wanted to do that was in that was bring the whole yoga community together. So students and teachers and teachers from other studios as well. So we started hosting a one once a month round robin where we would just invite all yoga teachers come in. And we'll split up the class and teach a two-hour class of yoga. Whoever wants to show up can, like students can come and partake as well. And then you can introduce yourself and say where you teach. Because we wanted to take out some of that competition feeling Mm -hmm. for it. We also made some pretty strong rules. Like you can teach at other places. You, You don't, because some studios say you can only teach here. So it was kind of that same supportive group mentality that we had in this live group that I wanted to bring to an online space. And that's a big part of that is just feeling safe enough to be able to ask questions, um, be able to share like your wins and your challenges because there are a few groups and I, I, there are a few yoga groups online, not just yoga groups, but they're in general, Facebook groups when they hit a certain number of number on there. Like when they're bigger groups, I've seen them turn a little sour. Mm -hmm. So the same as road rage, like you could be driving in your car and someone's in front of you and they'll, (laughs) you know, make some rude comment to you and you can't hear it. Well, I feel like, you know, I see in the yoga world in different groups that people would be answering not really in the most yogic way. I don't know if you've had that experience in Facebook groups. Yeah, definitely. I I mean, the first one that comes to mind for me actually is a travel group. And it's just, it's so big that I feel like, you know, somebody puts out an opinion instead of like hearing that opinion and maybe responding in a way that like with your own opinion, it's, it's fine to have a difference of opinion. It's, it's very like attacky or judgy. And to me, that's not productive. Mm-hmm. For example, I'm in a yoga group that I love. Um, and I had posted a question there actually for another yoga teacher. She had a student who had frozen shoulder 
and immediately got pounced on by a whole bunch of people saying, this isn't your role as a yoga teacher, which I really feel strongly that I know my role in that because I work in a physiotherapy office. I would for sure say to someone, go see your doctor, your physiotherapist first, then come back. But mm -hmm. I would also then want to be doing yoga poses that are helpful and beneficial. So I'd be in conversation with their healthcare team. And so I wanted to have a group where people could safely ask a question like that yeah. and not even someone the other day, I said to them, you should join our connected yoga teacher group. And she said, well, I'm really nervous about joining yoga groups. I've had some very bad experiences. And I think, really? I thought these people were working on these, <laughs> you know, their, their eight limbs and going through their, all their stuff. Not like I, I have some confusion around that, why that's happening. But yeah, yeah, definitely. I mean, it, it's, it's kind of this whole, like, like I'm a big believer that yoga is not just the physical asana that you do on the mat. It's when you're standing at the post office and there's 40 people in front of you and <laughs> everyone's going really slow. It's when you can just take a breath and realize that it's fine and you'll get to the front of the line or when somebody cuts you off in traffic and instead of, you know, swearing at them, you just take a breath and realize that, you know what, that person's in a hurry and that's okay. I'm just going to take my time. I, I feel like it's those moments where it's like the yoga is happening in real life. And I think that sometimes it just doesn't translate over, unfortunately. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And, and in that as well, I think it's really great when we can sit back and look at ourselves and say, wow, I just had a moment where I was a pretty crappy human being. Like that wasn't my best moment. And then to take that and learn from it. And I, I, I think that's a big part of it. I, my biggest teachers in that are my children. Like there's just no way to be a perfect parent yeah. at all. Even though I thought I could be <laughs> before I started the journey, I was like, I'll never do that. And I won't do that. But I make mistakes all the time with my kids. And so, um, I think that builds up a little more compassion. Like as yoga teachers, we make mistakes all the time too. We're working in relationship with people. So we just can't be perfect all the time in it. Definitely. Yeah. Yeah. I can agree with that more. And I think it, too, yeah, I, I'm in a couple different yoga groups and I, I did have an experience the other day where somebody posted kind of like a controversial video. There's, I mean, there's so much different like yoga stuff happening right now, like yoga with goats and beer yoga and I don't know. Yeah, I would, yeah beer, beer yoga is one that's really pushing my buttons right now. Yeah. And it was, it was actually that video that came up in a group and I felt like people were just getting like a little bit intense on it. Like I was like, you know what? We all mm -hmm. have our opinion and that's fine if you would never teach it, but you know, to just write like, you know, this is the stupidest thing ever. I'm like, <laughs> <laughs> maybe it is the stupidest thing ever, but you know, maybe somebody who would never do yoga tries yoga and they've built a community and that's kind of what it's about. It's not about drinking yeah. beer, but you know, if somebody new comes to class, then is it so wrong that their first experience was drinking beer? But that's exactly it. That's exactly it. When people say to me, well, what do you think about like chocolate yoga or, and people post those beer yoga ones on my wall all the time just because they know, Oh, Shannon's a yoga teacher. She'll like this. Um, but I think your point in that is so bang on that if it gets someone into yoga and just being more aware you know, someone has to start somewhere. And if it's this fun class, like, yeah. And I think the other part of that is that when we start to divide, like if I said to you, I will never do beer yoga, that's going to create a division, right? If, if you're a, if you were a beer yoga teacher, yes. boom, there's an <laughs> automatic so divide. <laughs> <laughs> my, my niche is beer yoga. <laughs> But if we look at it, like I have to look at it and think, wow, that's really pushing my buttons. Why is that? You know, there's something in that more so for me. Why is that class pushing my buttons? So same thing. If you if you hear yoga teachers, they'll often say, well, where is the yoga philosophy in that class? Um, or, you know, passing judgment. We do it all the time. Then why are we having that big judgment come up? Yeah, 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 definitely. And yeah, don't get me wrong. I'm, I'm not like, <laughs> I'm not going to become a beer yoga teacher. <laughs> I think it's just an interesting example of, you know, somebody posting in a group and a lot of people, just a lot of, and everyone's entitled to their opinion. I, I totally think that people should share that, but I'm, 
I'm just like, you know, when you just put something like, this is so stupid, where does that come from? You know, what is that mm-hmm. thought process? And, you know, how is that constructive to somebody who's genuinely, you know, maybe a newer teacher and they're trying to think about how to differentiate themselves? You know, is that encouraging them one way or the other? Or is it just kind of putting a judgment on something that maybe you've never experienced before? Mm-hmm. And chances are, like, when we... As yoga teachers, we can get really stuck in this groove of this is the way it is. And it was Andrea Peloso who you had on your podcast. She then came on the Connected Yoga Teacher podcast and she said, if as a community we can move along and say, this is how I used to do things. This is how we used to do things as a collective group. And now we've learned blah, blah, blah. And now we do it this way. I think that's a huge shift in mentality for community. Yeah, definitely. I love that. Yeah. And she was saying that exists like doctors do that, you know, physiotherapists, massage therapists, they're learning and changing, but they're doing it together. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. It's kind of interesting to think about for the yoga industry. I think on, on that note, I'm kind of curious, or I guess not that note, but kind of the topic they were talking about kind of around beer yoga and groups. How do you ensure that your group maintains like a positive vibe and that people aren't um, becoming negative or attacking one another? I don't know what the wording is right in the beginning of it, but I think it's just in every post. Like I make sure to say welcome, like this is a supportive group where you can ask questions and then it's just the whole vibe that's going on in there. I would not tolerate any. um, So if there was a post and someone was being mean in any way, I would just take the whole thing down. I There's no way. And I'd let that person know this is a supportive group. Like it says right it right in our um, right in the introduction. I can, if you want, I can send you what it says. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I've been in your group for a while and I, I, I really like the vibe of it. And I think that you've done a really good job cultivating this really like safe feeling community, which I mean, it's, it's online, right? So it's kind of, it's interesting to think about creating this online vibe because there definitely is that with different groups and, um, I feel like a different vibe with each group that I'm in, whether or not it's travel or yoga or something else. And it's, it's really interesting to see how the administrator can really cultivate that. Yeah. Yeah. And I think, I mean, I'm in there all the time as well. That's, that was really key to me to be available to teachers if they want to ask questions. And now what's great is that other yoga teachers are popping in and giving answers also, and and there is a real um, respect in that group as well. I see people aren't just like, you know, here's this, here's that, like, I'm selling this, I'm doing that. That was the other real intention to the group. And very rarely I've messaged someone and just said, hey, um, this kind of crosses over you know, every once in a while, we I put a post up to say, share an event that you're working on. Because it's a global group, I don't want everyone posting their events because we can't go to all those things all around the world. Yeah, unfortunately. But, <laughs> yeah. But if it's online, then we can. Or um, then every once in a while, I'll post and say, like, share your events in this and just put them in the comments. And there's a big thread there so that people do feel like, okay, this is what I do. Um Yeah, there was something else I was going to say on that. But, oh, around the group, it's kind of like imagining that you want to host a party, but you don't know who's going to show up and kind of what are your what's your intention for the party? Like mine was all about community and support. So what would be the, the core values of that gathering? And then how can you, you know, every decision comes out of that. Yeah. I think that that's a really great way to look at it and always come back to that intention with like each thing that you post and, you know, all the comments that are made from people and that sort of thing. And then how do you keep engagement up? Like, do you do, you don't do the same posts every week, do you? I don't. Um, I do know some people that have like, you know, they have the same kind of pattern of posts. There are a few tricks that I really love and use in this. And you're going to get a little preview before I actually talk about this in my next episode that comes out on Saturday. But um, I use Trello because what happens is I get sucked into Facebook and I start watching cat videos and looking at (laughs) yoga events and I'm all of a sudden I'm somewhere else. So 
what I do is I go into Trello, which is in like an online list building thing. Asana is another one I think that people love. It's free. And I create my posts in there. So I put Monday to Friday. I sometimes post on the weekend, but I I don't schedule that. So then I just take it, I make a new card. I use the I write the text that I want to say in there. And then I will put a picture with it. Then it's all ready. I can see the whole week. I go in, I'm I copy that text put it into the Facebook group. Like I don't have to sit there and think about it for a long time while there's ads and cat videos all around me. (laughs) (laughs) I can just post it in there. So that's one way that I keep engagement. Like I like to ask sometimes non yoga related questions like where are you in the world or what did you want to be when you were a, a little kid? Things like that. Yeah. I also tag, I tag new people. And I've been in groups where they tag new people in the same thread. And then what happens is you get a notification every time they add new people. But I make a new post and and tag new people in that. And do you get a notification when new people join or? I do. And then I check. Like I try and do it weekly. Now things are really getting quicker. We have 300 members in there now and it's picking up speed. So I don't. I don't know. I'm actually looking at maybe getting someone else to help me <laughs> um, just in that group. So, yeah, yeah, I can. It, it's actually something that I mean, I put it out to you. I'm a part of a group called Podcasters Paradise um, that my partner and I joined when we started our travel podcast a couple of years ago. And I kind of put it out there when I decided to launch MBO. I'm like, what are your opinions on Facebook pages versus pa- Facebook groups? And it was pretty unanimous that Facebook groups create better community. It's a better way to interact with your audience. Um, it's a better way to get your audience, turning them into customers if you want to monetize. And, you know, the Facebook page algorithm um, is just kind of horrible if you're not going to pay for it. Um, and I kind of went back and forth and I still just was like, you know what? I feel like I'm not ready for a group because it's, it seems like a lot of work. And if I do it, I want to do it right. Yeah. Um, it is a lot of work. And I would say like when you're exactly that, that you have to devote at least I'm in there at least once or twice a day. Mm-hmm. And I find even on weekends as well. And especially if like I've had a couple of times where I've let someone in and then they start spamming the group. I'm like, whoa, what are you doing in here? <laughs> not OK. We don't want to buy your sunglasses. But um, yeah, that's not ideal. <laughs> <laughs> so that you have to be keeping an eye on for sure. But you'd be surprised because now I notice that even if I'm not in there right away posting, like someone posted a question the other day about, oh, I forget. It was actually just today. And I thought, oh, two people that I know grabbed it right away and answered it way better than I could have. Like, I really didn't know the answer to it. And I can't know everything. Right. You know, it. that's why that's why it works so well in a group. It's a community now. But you need a certain number of people. Some people say that has to be, you know, over 500 or whatever. But. We have over three and there's lots of conversation going on in there. I think the other thing to remember is that a Facebook page is still good. Like mm-hmm. it keeps getting that rap that Facebook page versus group. I would say definitely have your page always. And then if you feel like you're ready to have a group, then then go for that at some point. Yeah, yeah, definitely. That's that's really cool to hear. I think it's um I mean, it's, that's, this is like a whole other conversation to delve into the whole like marketing social media thing. But yeah, you make a good point about it's easy to be like, Oh, I'm not doing enough or I should do more and that sort of thing. And it's this whole other, you can beat yourself up for it because there's always something else you could do with your business. But having a page is great because it's, it's a good place for people to kind of like discover you and follow along with the content you're putting out regularly and, and that sort of thing. And I, I feel like pages and groups are just, I feel like they're very different spaces. Like the group, I feel like gives people the opportunity to ask questions that they might not ask on a Facebook page. Yes. Yeah, for sure. And on your, sorry, I can't remember on your page. Do you ever do live videos? I haven't. We have done it on our, on our travel podcast page. Just, Mm -hmm. I mean, that's, it's, it's a lot easier to do that without making it like a Q and a or a live show. It's, you know, we're in Tokyo today, like check it out. It's cool. We can just do it for a couple of minutes and it's been good. It's got good engagement for that. So I do know that that's something that I should delve into. Um, I just haven't taken that leap of faith yet. No need to should on yourself. That is, can be a really scary leap forward. Totally. Yeah. And you run a once a week live show. Is that right? 
I yeah, season one is done. So I decided to take a break for the summer because I was like, oh my gosh, the summer is busy, like with kids home. So um, season one has 20 episodes. They're there, like they're on YouTube and they're also on the Connected Yoga Teacher website. And then we'll start season two in September. And I kind of started to change around with it. At first, I was just doing a topic, like 30 minute segment of a topic. Then I started to switch and thought, you know what, I might as well use this. It's video. So I started doing more focus on poses and, and it's still specific to yoga teachers. Like here's a pose for this. And then I go through a demo and then I have a little segment at the end where we talk about one other topic, more so like business of yoga or just this is a question that's been coming up. Yeah, that's great. What is the mm-hmm. response been on that for you? Um, really good. I know that some people were saying, yes, we love both both the live show and the podcast because I wanted to see what, you know, where are people coming from? And I, I still don't really know. I know how many people are watching the podcast and it'll tell me on Facebook how many people, so many views, but I don't know how many people are watching the whole live show. That's mm-hmm. a great question. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, analytics is like a whole other, <laughs> other thing we could talk for an hour about <laughs> how to track your yeah. analytics and find where your people are coming from. But yeah, good for you for keeping that up. I mean, that's just another, another element that can be a lot of work and, I think that there's something really, I think there's something really personal about podcasting more so than blogging. But then I think having that video is another thing that just adds personality. It's like people can see you, they can see your facial expressions, they see your home and where you're joining them from. And I think that, like I know for me as somebody who engages with other people, I really like feeling like I know that person. And I Mm -hmm. I think that that's people like that personal touch. Yeah. Now there's live video on Instagram as well. Um, and I had someone telling me today, like, oh, that's where you should go next. <laughs> yeah. There's always something new. It's like you master one technology or one platform and then there's another one popping up. <laughs> exactly. And I think it's really important to first look at what what is even the goal of that? Because I still know for the live show and the podcast, the goal of that is to get people um, knowing about the consultation work that I do and the courses that I run. Like that's mm-hmm. the ultimate goal. Because at this point, the podcast is just me, you know, trying to help yoga teachers out. That's my, it's kind of like my uh, volunteer time on that. But there has to be a, a, a way to pay for it in some way. So I don't really like sponsors at this point, but mm-hmm. um I've had a couple of sponsors say to me, like, you know, we hear you talking about us already. (laughs) You know, yeah, it's 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 interesting. But for for yoga teachers that are like, what social media platform should I use? That's a huge question. I think it's really like, what is the goal? And then what can you focus on first and what can you fit in? Yeah, yeah, definitely. Have you used kind of Facebook and live video then as your primary platforms to draw people in for the podcast and then your your work that you do? Yeah, definitely Facebook. I am not very good at Twitter. I have tried. Uh, Instagram, I do put posts on Instagram as well, but I have it on my personal. And then I also had a social media manager tell me today, um, we need to get a connected yoga teacher Instagram account up and going. (laughs) I was like, Oh yeah, it's just me. Yeah. I mean, there's so many steps to that. I kind of went through that as well. Like I, I I learned a lot from the first podcast that I launched where I was all these different lessons. Like, you know, you should have a Facebook page when you start. So it's like, okay, I'm going to do that. But then I'd, I still kept uh, like MBO. I was posting yoga stuff on my personal Instagram and it just got to a point where I was like, you know, who am I posting for? Who's following me? Like it, it just became too much. So I split off like all my different things into different Instagrams. But now I run like four Instagram accounts. So that's also wow. Thing. Oh my gosh! No wonder you don't have time for a Facebook group. Yeah. <laughs> that's overwhelming to me. Yeah, I mean it's another thing that you can just planning. Like you can use like Buffer or Hootsuite or oh. something like that. It, you can actually do Instagram doesn't allow scheduling the way that you know, you can schedule to like your Facebook page, but you can face Instagram allows you to go in and edit photos, put your caption and then you can go back now and save a draft, which you weren't able to do like even six months to a year ago. So that's massive. 
Yes. Um, but yeah, it's <laughs> a whole nother topic as well. <laughs> it is social media. My son who's 19 called me the other day and he was like, mom, you got to know this thing about Snapchat. Now you can see everybody. You can see where they are. And I was like, what? Can you see where I am right now? Like I felt like all of a sudden I was 75 years old and I had no idea about social media. <laughs> yeah. He's like, God, you need to go into your settings and do ba ba ba. And I was like, What? This is crazy. Yeah, it's it's actually really interesting. I'm I'm curious to see how it I haven't really used it much. I'm not really big on Snapchat. It's kind of like used it personally a little bit to send like silly the yeah. silly things that you can do to my friends, but I haven't done it on a business side. But you can, pull up, you can pull up a map and you can see like safe wanderlust was happening in like Whistler, um, anyone who was there and posting, you can actually go and like see all the stories for it. Yes, this is amazing. I was clicking on things in Ottawa and Canada Day. I was just amazed. Like it's kind of like Periscope, but on Instagram. Yeah, yeah, definitely. It's pretty cool. And so, do you still run in-person community things? Like, do you guys still get together people in your community and Owen Sound and the neighboring areas in Ontario? We do. So I also, through Tone Studio, I used to be the studio manager at Tone. That's one of the things that came off my list. Maxine is now the studio manager. Um, but part of that was we have an, an online group. There's over a 100 yoga teachers, and we're only two counties, like Bruce and Gray County. So we still have an online group, but through that online group, we we have a lot of things. Like we'll go to different studios and do things or host things at Tone um, yeah, we just had, uh, Erin Aquin who wrote the A to Z of being, being a successful yoga teacher. She came in and a lot of teachers came to that. So we still try and do in-person things for sure. What do you feel like? Cause obviously I, I feel like it's probably not super productive to compare an online community with an in-person community, but what do you feel like kind of are the pros and cons to each? Or like the differences between them. Right. So meeting someone in person, obviously you have more of a connection with them. So if you are not able to meet in person, the next best thing that you can do is video. And the next best thing is audio. And then it gets down to text for me personally. Mm -hmm. And I think that's the overall. So when you can meet people in person, you know, it's think back to a yoga teacher training that you went to. That's what it's like. And I think it's super important to have time if you're going to meet in person where people can visit and chat. And then <laughs> I always laugh about this, like that opening up, like kind of the cracking open that sometimes happens at yoga teacher trainings where you're just put in this new experience together as a group. Mm -hmm. You know, retreats are like that. Also, it's harder to do that online for sure. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. That's um, a good point. It's it's like people are in that space too. Like I, I know I did an intensive yoga teacher training. It's like we were together every day for an entire month. Like you kind of just get, you kind of just have this bond that it's never going to happen again with that exact same group of people. And it's really special when it does happen. Mm-hmm. Exactly. So that's that in person, right? Yeah. And you might even think, oh, that person's in my community. I know them pretty well. But you get to know them on a whole different level. Online, you get to meet with people who are all over the world. Like you don't, you're not limited by travel, by time. You know, you, you, you can share pictures. You can share a live video. I really, really, really encourage people to share a live video in the Connected Yoga Teacher group, um, many people are afraid to do so, but it's such a great way to get to know people. Yeah, definitely. I think there's something really intimidating about live video. I know the first time that, and like I said, I haven't done much of it, but, um, Ryan and I have done a little bit of it with our travel podcast. And the first time it was like, we kind of had to talk ourselves up to do it. We're like, okay, what are we going to say? What if we like you know, what if somebody starts watching and then we say something really stupid and then we can't go back? And I was like, you know what? Whatever. I was like, I am who I am. I like blubber words all the time. I mean, I do it all the time on the podcast anyway. So like, I usually don't edit it out. Um, like it's fine. And it actually was, it's not that scary once you actually get on there. Yeah. And it's the same. I mean, 
these are yoga teachers probably up in front of people live every week is my assumption. So it's kind of like that. And I say stupid things all the time, like move your hand forward, but it's impossible. I meant the foot. (laughs) I'm just like, well, I mean the other body part. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. It is. I mean, it's sort of this interesting thing when, um, you, you get comfortable as a yoga teacher being up in front of people in this, in this studio setting or in this private setting. And then it's, it's thinking about how these skills just transition right into live video. Yet it, it feels different. It's almost like you're teaching for the first time again, even though if you just allow yourself to be relaxed, it's like those things that you know how to do, which are just talking off the cuff will just happen. Um, even if you say like silly things. Mm Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think we can and all relate to those moments. That. Yeah. Sorry. I was going to say you can all relate to those moments where you say something and like a couple of people laugh and you're like, oh, I hope that everyone forgets that that came out of my mouth. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. <laughs> and with that as well, people really appreciate live video because anything can happen. Like they keep watching because they're like, oh my gosh, it's live. Anything could happen in this. And they can interact with you as well you know they can type in the comments say a little hello and and ask a question as you go yeah yeah definitely so i want to be mindful with your time um i just have one more question for you if that's okay Mm -hmm. i think we've kind of touched on this throughout throughout this conversation but what are kind of maybe your top or top couple keys to creating a solid online community or a solid solid in-person community I think one of them is to keep in mind that at some point we all feel competition in a quote unquote negative way or it feels negative. You know, we, we feel we'll be watching that someone else is doing something and thinking, oh my gosh, they're doing the exact same thing as me or better than me. And to just keep that in mind that we all have that and also you know, what kind of a community would you love to have? And if it doesn't already exist (laughs) for you, create it. And if it does already exist, create it in your own way. So it might be that you just decide, you know what? No, I I really want to be in person with people or I want to create a community like you do, Amanda, with your podcast or, um, you know, what does that look like? If you don't like Facebook, then your community is not on, is not in a Facebook group. So yeah, definitely. I think make, yeah. Uh, yeah. I love that. I think that that's such a, a great piece of advice and a, a really good thing to think about. I think, I feel like my biggest thing when I talk to yoga teachers about their businesses is, is not looking at what everyone else is doing, but being really like tuning into what you want to do and kind of what being intentional with that. Hmm. Yeah, that's exactly it. What is your intention with it? Yeah. What would you really love? What would you really love in a group? And then you just create it. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah, definitely. I think it's really easy to be like, oh, you know, so-and-so is doing this. So maybe I should do this. And we already kind of talked about the danger of should on this, in this conversation. And should is Mm -hmm. such, we should just get rid of, I just said it again, but we, we really need to just get rid of that word out of our vocabulary. I think we'd all be happier and, and that sort of thing. But thinking about what really you want as opposed to what other people are doing or what you feel like you should be doing. Yeah. It's like, as Natalie Ekdahl says, my business coach, she says, eyes on your own page. (laughs) Yeah, definitely. (laughs) It's, it's going back to school. No cheating. (laughs) Mm -hmm. It makes us happier when we do that. And I think that's a big thing too, to step away from your computer so that you're, or even if you're a yoga teacher feeling like, oh my gosh, that teacher's offering the same thing that I am. Like, say for instance, if you wanted to start a yoga class and a walking group, you know, and you wanted to combine it, and that's a form of community, then step away from your computer. Don't Google search it. Just step away and think, how could I, what would that look like? How would, how would I feel in that group? How do I want other people to feel? Mm-hmm. Definitely. I love that. Amazing. Thank you so much for today. It's been absolutely awesome connecting with you, Shannon. Thanks for having me. Of course. And so if people are interested in what you offer, where can they go to find more about you? 
So the connectedyogateacher.com is probably the best spot unless you're in my area. Then it's shannoncrow.com for taking a yoga class with me. But the connectedyogateacher.com, if you're a yoga teacher, there's a big join the community button there right on our homepage. And then there are also sometimes courses. And I and if you feel really stuck and like your questions aren't being answered in the podcast or the live show, then I do one-on-one consultation calls. Amazing. All of that sounds awesome. So yeah, the group is, is awesome. So if you're out there listening and you really want an online community or you want to find your tribe, I would definitely recommend joining the group. Thanks so much, Amanda. Yeah, of course. Thank you so much, Shannon. Have a great day. You too. All right. I hope that everyone enjoyed the episode as much as I did. I say that every single week, but I seriously love these conversations. I feel like I have the best job in the world. Uh, to find out more about the podcast for show notes and links and resources, you can head on over to www.mbomyoga.com. You'll be able to find your link for $5 off your Yoga Boss Babe membership box. You can find a link for the Connected Yoga Teacher community and so much more. You can also follow MBOM on social media on Facebook and Instagram at Mastering the Business of Yoga. We also have a private online community that's growing quickly. So that is Yoga Business Badasses. There's a link in the description or on the show notes. Or you could just search it in Facebook, ask to join, and I'll approve you. As always, thanks so much for listening and namaste.